Right. Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our choir and our praise team. Thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Matthew, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. This morning I want to share a message that I've just entitled, A Universal Decision. A Universal Decision. And while you're turning there, I want, this past week we had Bible school here at the church. And we had a great school, smaller than normal, but a great school. We had great teachers, and we had a great bunch of kids. We just had a good time. And so um, uh, I just wanted to let you know, we had two professions of faith, amen. Uh, during the week, I shared the gospel on Wednesday night to our older to our older children, and we had two that professed Christ. And then uh, we just had a good time uh, Sunday night through Thursday night. And so I just want to thank all of you who helped, all of you who did anything in Bible school. It takes workers, a lot of workers, and from our security to video room to teachers to crafts to refreshments. Praise the Lord for the refreshment team. It was here really... Uh, I guess a meal team that came and worked this week. We had some good food, just had a good time. But I want to uh, recognize our director. I'm going to ask Kim Whitten. She didn't know I was going to do this. Kim, come up here just a minute, if you would. This is our VBS director, has been for a good number of years, and she takes care of VBS. I'm here in case she needs to ask me something, but let me tell you, uh, Kim and her, her assistant, her husband, uh, he, he, uh, she does a great job, and Richard does a great job in helping her. And so give her a round of applause to that. And so I just wanted to give you a little card of appreciation and thank you for doing such a wonderful job as a VBS director. Give her another round of applause. That's great. All of our workers did great. Kim, she starts working. She's already working for next year's. We already have uh, what, the, what the theme's going to be, and she's already looking at the material, so we're going to have a great school next year. So I just wanted to mention what's happened this past week. It's completely changed today and what it was. If you'd walked in the church last Sunday evening, you'd been surprised what the church looked like, and now you're, you'd be surprised how it got back into shape. And so we've had a good week. If you found Matthew chapter 27, look at verse 11 as we think about a universal decision. Matthew 27, verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priest and the elders, he answered nothing. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things are testified against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast of the governor, it was custom to, of releasing to the multitude one prisoner who they wished. And at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? 
for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy, speaking of Christ. Verse 19, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And then the governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to him, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. And then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And then Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising. So he took water, and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus... He delivered him to be crucified. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence today to worship you. Thank you for our hymns, our, our praise songs. Thank you for witnessing the baptism of Cooper. And Father, now as you speak to us in your word, allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. May we not be only hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Help us to realize, Lord, the whole point of this in a simple sentence, Lord, that all of us will make a decision whether to accept Christ or reject Christ. Pilate had that same opportunity to receive Christ or to reject Christ. And I pray for every person here this morning, those who are viewing by other means, listening by radio, if they've not already, that they'll make the appropriate decision and receive Christ into their life. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we come to our text this morning, just a little background. Jesus had already been betrayed by, by Judas. He'd been arrested in the garden. Uh, he stood before Caiaphas, the high priest, to be judged. And now he stands in the, in the praetorium. The praetorium was a building that housed Roman soldiers. It was the barracks for the Roman soldiers. But not only that, it was also the official resident uh, the residence of the Roman governor. And so now we find where Pilate, the governor, was awakened during the night to be called on to make the most important decision of his governorship. The most important decision of his governorship, but also the most important decision he would ever make in his life. Verse 22, What shall I do with this man called Christ? What shall I do with this man called Christ? What do you consider the most important decision that you've ever made in your life? You know, the other Wednesday night I was sharing with our, our older children and I said, you know, to receive Christ, that's a decision you make. Mama and Dad can't make it for you. I can't make it for you. The most important decision that you'll ever make in your life is decided by you, by you. You know, we don't have the decision what color our hair we'll have, or we, we can't make a decision who our parents will be, and we can't make a decision what color our eyes we'll have. 
or what sex will be. We can't do that. That's already settled, regardless what people argue today. That's already settled. But we do have an opportunity to make the decision where we'll spend eternity. And that's a universal decision that everyone will have. We have the decisions that we normally make, like choosing a career. That's a hard decision, perhaps. Do we get married? Do we stay single? Do we have children? Do we not have children? Do we go to college? Where do we go to college? This past week, we had an opportunity to go with Canaan. He's going to Welch College up above Gallatin. And we had, a visit. We had an opportunity to visit with his parents. Grandparents got to go, too, and see where his dorm was and what it looked like in the cafeteria and the gym. He, he, he visited, I think, four or five different schools, and that's where he felt like the Lord was leading him, was Welch College. That's a decision that he made. His parents were good with his decision. We have a decision in regards to uh, you know, where we're going to live, what church we're going to attend. So we face all different kinds of decisions every day. But the point is, there's no decision that we'll ever be called on to make that will be as important as the decision that we make about Jesus Christ. What do we do with Jesus Christ? Every person, every person in this room, every person that's viewing other means, every person in the past, every person today and the future will be faced with the question until the Lord comes back. What am I going to do with this person called Jesus? So first of all, if you're taking notes, it's a decision that all must make. A decision that everyone must make. Pilate had to decide for if Jesus was who he said he was. Verse 11 in our passage, the governor asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the Messiah? Are you the redeemer of Israel? Are you the one that's sent from God? And it was the same question that even John the Baptist had to deal with. John the Baptist had been put into prison because he'd preached against the adulterous sins of, of Herod. And Matthew 11, verse 1, John the Baptist had heard what Christ was doing, and he sent one of his followers to, 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 uh, to see if Jesus was really Christ, if Jesus was really the Messiah. And Jesus said to him, said to those he sent, he said, go back and tell John what you hear and what you see. And they went back and told John all the things that Jesus was doing, what they had heard, what they had saw. Then John the Baptist had to decide to receive Jesus for who he was or he had to reject him. You have to make that same decision. Some of you have been in church for a long time. It's not that you don't know who Jesus is. But the question is, have you received Christ into your life, or have you rejected Him? We all make that decision. Andrew, another example, he found his brother Simon. He said, we found the Messiah. Then they had to decide whether they'd receive Him as the Messiah or reject Him as the Messiah. Nathaniel declared in John 1, verse 49, Rabbi, you're the Son of God, the King of Israel. Then Nathaniel had to decide if Jesus was who he said he was. And now the governor of Rome, imagine that, the governor of Rome. The governor of Rome has to decide or has to make the same decision. Who is Jesus? Is he who he says he is? Is he a fake? 
You think he's a fake? You think he's who he says he is? Do you think he's who the Bible declares he is? Well, you have to decide today before you leave. If you've never received Christ, you either receive him today or what? You reject him today. That's the decision. And so the, the, there's not a person on earth in the past or today that will not be faced with a decision about Jesus Christ. Every politician alive today in the past and in the future, will it, they'll have to either receive Christ or reject Christ. Our president, he has to receive Christ or reject Christ. Years ago, we lived in... Uh, Old Hickory, Tennessee, and I think I've shared this before, and we'd go out to the Hermitage, and, and uh, President Jackson lived there in the Hermitage uh, a long time ago. Not while we were there, but, but anyway, we'd go out and visit his home place, and there's a little church there. And so people would, uh, people would go to church on, there where Jackson lived, and it'd take Jackson six months to travel from Washington back home. So he didn't come often, but when he did, he would he'd go to church there in Tulip Grove. And one day, a preacher was preaching, and a revival preacher was preaching, and President Jackson came in, and no one saw him come in, but someone walked up and gave the, gave the visiting preacher a note, and it, he looked at the note and said, President Jackson's just come in. And he just kept preaching, and he got the note again. President Jackson's just come in. And he kept preaching. He got the third note, and he stopped. He said, I've been told that President Jackson has just come in this room. But let me say this. If President Jackson doesn't repent of his sins and receive Christ, he's going to die and go to hell like everybody else. It don't matter who you are. That's a decision we all have to face. What are we going to do with this person, Jesus? So first, it's a decision that all must make. Secondly, it's an agonizing decision. Some people are struggling right now. It's an agonizing decision. Agonizing. That word agonizing means extreme, uh, extreme physical or mental pain. A lot of pain. Extreme physical or mental pain. You know, all of us, we, you know, we've agonized physically over... Uh, you know, physical pain, you know, migraine headaches perhaps, or, or maybe uh, back pain or knee pain or foot pain or some kind of physical pain. However, Paul agonized uh, not uh, because of physical pain and mental pain, uh, but, but Paul, he was, he, Paul, you know, he continued to reject Christ, but he came to a time to where he received Christ. And he had some physical issues going on. And here's Pilate. Pilate's really not suffering from physical pain. He's, he's suffering from mental pain. First of all, he wanted to please the crowd. That's a mental issue. When you're trying to please the crowd, that's, a lot, that's, that's really agonizing. The crowd was shouting, crucify him, crucify him, there in verse 23. But Pilate was like a lot of people today, those who allow the crowd to influence them or to, uh, as they, they make the most important decision in their life. They just want to go with the flow, go with the crowd, kind of take a poll and see what's happening. And Pilate was being pressured mentally by the crowd. Same way it is today. You're pressured at school, you're pressured at work, you're pressured 
uh, maybe at a hunting club or a fishing club, or maybe by your family, maybe by your friends, to go one way, and you really know you need to go the other way, and so you're being pressured by the crowd. Pilate agonized because of the influence of the crowd. And some are doing the same thing this morning, those of you and those, some of you here today. You're struggling because of you being pressured by the crowd not to receive Christ. And then he agonized mentally because of his own conscience. His own conscience. Verse 18 says this, For he knew that it was out of envy that they handed Jesus over. He knew Jesus was, he knew that, that Jesus was, was put in custody for no reason at all. He was, he was innocent. And he had that in his mind. That was on his conscience. So the point is, Pilate knew in his mind that Jesus was who he said he was. And you do too. There's no doubt today that you don't believe Jesus is who he says he is. You know that. Pilate agonized. He wanted to please the crowd. He, he agonized because of his conscience. And he agonized because of his wife. Or someone, he agonized because someone was really concerned for him. And she came to him. This happened to be his wife there in verse 19. says, don't have anything to do with this innocent man. Don't have anything to do with this just man. And out of love and out of concern for her husband, she tried to help her husband make the right decision. And today, some of you are agonizing because of the prayers of your loved ones, your father, your mother, maybe your spouse, your children. You know they're praying for you to come to Christ, but still you're putting it off, you're putting it off. And that's agonizing because you know what you need to do. So it's a decision that all must make. It's an agonizing decision because of the crowd, because of your conscience, because of caring people that want to see you saved. But then third, and I'll close with this, it's a decision with eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. Look, if you will, uh, in verse 26. Verse 26. Then he released Barabbas to them, and he had scourged Jesus, and he delivered him, Pilate delivered him, to be crucified. Pilate had Jesus flogged, and then he turned over Jesus to the Jews to be crucified. But prior to his decision, Pilate symbolically cleansed himself from being part of the death of Jesus. Cleansed himself. You know what he did? He took a basin of water. Look at verse 24. Pilate said to them, What shall I do with this who is called Jesus? Verse 24. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water, he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person you see to it. So he takes a basin of water, and he begins to wash his hands of the whole matter. And he says, I'm innocent. I've had nothing to do with this. I'm innocent. Now, let me tell you something. Listen to me. You cannot rid your sin with a basin of water. You cannot rid your sin in a baptismal pool. You can't do it. This up here doesn't wash away any sin whatsoever. 
What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now you may have tried to wash in the basin thinking that you've, you've made things right with Jesus, but you really haven't received Him into your life. Really not trusted Him and only Him for your salvation. You've washed in the basin of water. You've washed in the basin of water, but that won't rid you of your sin. Some symbolically wash not only in the baptismal pool, some symbolically wash in the basin of good works, trying to rid yourself of sin of rejection. Maybe if I do good and be good and good to this person, good to my neighbor, I talked to someone recently and they told me, well, I, I try to help everybody. Really. But that won't rid you of your sin, regardless how hard you try. That won't rid you of your sin. It's a basin of good works. Then the basin of morality. If I just live a good life, I can be forgiven for rejecting Jesus. No, you can't. That won't rid you of your sin. Won't rid you of your sin. Or maybe the basin of church membership. Just wash your hands in church membership or church activity. And maybe that'll do it. If I attend church one or two times a week, I can be forgiven for rejecting Jesus Christ into my life. No, you can't. No, you won't never be forgiven by that, with that. So don't think for one moment symbolic washing in the basin of baptism and good works, morality and church membership will cleanse you from your sins. Listen, you're believing a lie. The devil's got you believing that. It won't do it. I talk with people all the time and I'll say, have you ever asked Christ to save you? You know what they say? Well, I've been baptized. They've just been washed in water. The story goes of Pilate. I've shared this over the years, I know, but it's a great illustration about Pilate. He washed his hands in that basin. He turned Jesus over and rejected Jesus for who he was. Turned him over to the crowd. He scourged him. He flogged him. Then turned him over to the crowd. Then he, he, and he's, he's thinking to himself, he's washed his hands of the whole matter. And, and uh, Josephus, the historian of of uh, the first century church said that it was told that, that people would see Pilate walking down the, the seashore there at the Mediterranean Sea, washing his hands, washing his hands, constantly washing his hands in the water as he walked down the seashore. He could not get the guilt and the stain of that sin of rejection off of his hand, let alone off of his heart and off of his life for rejecting Jesus. There's only one way to get that off, and that's by receiving Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior. I would say there's not a person here this morning who doesn't believe that Jesus came and Jesus lived and Jesus died, he was crucified, he was buried, and he arose again. I mean, that's historic evidence. That's, uh, and we know that for a fact. We know where he was born. We know who the governor was for he, when he was born. We know all about his birth, all about his death, all about his ministry. That's a historical fact. And then he was seen by 5,000 at one time after his resurrection. And you're telling me you don't believe Jesus is real? You believe he's real. You know he's real. The problem is, it's not that you don't have the, the, the mental knowledge that Jesus is real, but you, uh, you don't have that heartfelt 
love and admiration and conviction that you need Jesus in your life. And you've been convinced of that because perhaps the crowd, the pressure of the crowd, the influence of the crowd, been influenced because of a lot of different reasons. But today, you're facing that same question again. You'll face it tomorrow if you reject him today. Now, here's where the problem comes. If you die before you receive him, there's no second chance on the other side of the grave. None whatsoever. The Bible says the way, ju- the way death finds you, the way judgment finds you. And so, if you're going to receive Christ, you're going to receive him now, If you reject Christ, you'll never have another opportunity after death. And so let me, my prayer today is that you'll receive him today. Trust him today. Come today and say, Brother Sammy, I don't understand all about it, but I want to receive Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I believe he came. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he was buried. And I believe one day he's coming again, and I want to give myself to him, ever how I do that. And after everybody leaves... I'll pray with you, and we'll have a good time just talking and visiting with each other, and you'll leave here a different person. But you need to come, because after the day, if you reject him today, you'll be facing it tomorrow if he lets you live long enough to do it. You know what time is for? Time is not for, time is for us. It's not for God. God's eternal. Jesus is eternal. Uh, time set aside for us. You know why? To make ready to face Jesus. To make ready to receive Christ. To make, to make things ready to meet our maker. And so you need to make sure you're ready to do that. And so simple. So you come. We're going to have an invitation hymn. So you come today and say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. And I want to embarrass you. And we'll just... Sit down here for a moment, you will, and after everybody leaves, we'll talk. Rededication of life. Maybe your life is not what Christ wants it to be right now. Maybe you just need to come pray for somebody that you love and you're concerned about and you're praying. You need to, you need to come today and pray for them. Maybe it's your prayer, your prayer, that God will use to soften their heart. You need to come. Unite with this church. If you're not plugged into a, to a gospel-believing church, evangelical church, you need to do that. Serve. We could use you right here, but you come. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's your decision. He gives you that decision. Nobody can make you do it. You come at your will. Let's stand together prayerfully, reverently.